Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Dukes Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. Thank you for coming in and joining us today. Uh, it is uh, hour one of the big Thursday show today. Thur- Thursday. And we appreciate you uh, coming in and being part of it. It's uh, going to be quite a show today. We got a lot. Uh, we got a lot laid out coming up in hour one. Frank Tomaszewski is going to be joining us. The brand new, the brand spanking new legislator from the interior. <clears throat> We're going to talk with him about what's going on down in Juneau. Get his take as uh, as a freshman. Uh, how things are going. What he's seeing, and uh, get his positions on both the, uh, the push to increase the base student allocation as well as the discussion of divine benefits uh, and more, every all the hot stuff that's going on. He's going to be joining us here in just a few moments, and we'll be talking with him about that. And then in Hour 2 of the Big Radio Show, we'll be talking with Kathy Tilton. <clears throat> Kathy is, of course, the... Uh, she is the majority House Majority Speaker, Speaker of the House, and she's going to uh, come on board and give us an idea of what the direction I- the majority is going to be taking uh, here in the future, especially when it comes to <clears throat> long-term fiscal policy. What is the plan? What is the plan? I want to know what is the plan for long-term fiscal policy? And so we're going to uh, we're going to be talking with her here in just a few minutes, and we'll see what she has to say uh, as we go forward uh, in hour two. She'll be joining us at seven oh five this morning for a discussion from there. Want to remind you, of course, that if you would like to support the show, one of the big ways to do it is to become a member of the Common Sense Core. That is the Cool Kids Club. All you got to do is go over to uh, MichaelLukeShow.com and click on the Join the Core logo there. It'll take you over to Patreon where you can join for as little as a single cup of coffee a month. I mean, not even super fancy coffee. I mean, I'm like $3 coffee, which is, that's just regular coffee these days, isn't it? I mean, you can't even get a super fancy coffee drink for $3. Uh, and of course, it helps you. Uh, it helps uh, support the show in a variety of ways. Uh, the big, uh, the big update that we did over Christmas uh, with the rebuild of the studio and all the fancy lighting and the new computer stuff and all that kind, all that stuff is funded uh, by listeners. We're like we're like NPR, pu- funded by listeners like you. 
That's what it all does. So uh, that's uh, that's the good stuff. So if you'd like to help support the show, you'd like to become uh, a member of the private Facebook group, uh, you want to have access to other swag and all kinds of things, then go on over and join the core. That's what I'm saying. The Common Sense Core. Join the core. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's my pitch for today. Uh, what other housekeeping do I have? Oh, uh, if you'd like, you can come out and join us on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, I'm looking for, uh, I'm trying to get the YouTube subscriptions up. This has, I mean, I don't know if this has anything to you, to you radio listeners, but uh, if you are ever on YouTube uh, and feel like you'd like to support the show, you can also go over to YouTube and just type in my name, Michael Dukes or Michael Dukes Show, and subscribe and uh, then ring the bell to get notifications on YouTube. Um, I've got thousands of listeners and supporters and followers on Facebook. I'm trying to get to 1000 on YouTube as well. Um, and I'm, I'm looking for a little help. I'm only, I've just got over 400, so I'm looking for a little bit of help on YouTube, which I don't know. It seems to be that there's a, seems to be that there's an uncommon bias, an uncommon bias for people. They just don't, they just don't like that. It's just, it's, it's, uh, interesting. Um, anyway, we're going to, uh, that's, that's, that's the last, oh, the final piece of housekeeping. I knew there was one more. The final piece of housekeeping is that, um, I have to turn this light on. I forgot. Uh, the final piece of housekeeping is that I will be, um, on vacation this coming Monday, uh, for president's day. I mean, I know it's a weird holiday to be, but I had the opportunity to, uh, I had the opportunity not to do a bunch of other stuff that day. So I thought, you know what? It's President's Day. There's going to be a lot of stuff closed and I could just sleep in and I don't do that too often. So why not? So uh, we're going to, on Monday, it's going to be alternate programming in both, uh, in both parts of the state, both North and South. And we will be returning to the airwaves on Tuesday. So we will be off and be back. Um, <clears throat> and uh, anyway, that's uh, that's the big uh, that's the big housekeeping news for today. Uh, so feel free to uh, feel free to do it. Well, we made the news and not necessarily in a good way. Um, <laughs> there was a uh, the you heard about what was happening where. Uh, the parent was reading all about the book that is uh, in the libraries in the Anchorage School District, um, and uh, it was uh, the 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 book was all about I don't know sexting, uh, relationships, uh, consuming you know how you know how you could there's nothing wrong with enjoying porn and all this kind of stuff. And um, <clears throat> you, the they were reading it right. They're reading from the book that is in the library that the students and the children are going to. This is a, a, a school library, and the uh, the 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 school board member and uh, or the school board president uh, said. Um, you got to stop reading that. I'm going to interrupt you. You you can't read that in front. Why not? Well, because it's uh, you know it's it's just too disturbing for the public to talk about. You know, it sounds like you have concern about the book, but I mean, I'm just you know. Wait a minute. Um, 
I'm going to read from this book because this is what our children are reading. And if it's making you uncomfortable, there might be something to this, right? There might be something <clears throat> to this. So this story broke last week. And um, I don't know, I, I three or four people had already sent me the link that it made national news, Fox News. Uh, got uh, got a hold of it, and they actually went out and they interviewed Jay McDonald, who was the parent that was sitting there, uh, uh, who was sitting there talking about it. Fox News actually asked uh, the school board members uh, for about their votes. They actually reached out to the school board members, and um, and they have declined. They have not received a response uh, about this. And, and I'm just going to read. I, I can only re- you know I can only read a little portion of what this says. Um, on the airwaves, so as not to violate FCC. I mean, the actual, you know, you can't read about it. So this is a few things that, um, this is a few, just a few things that they're teaching your kids in the public schools right now. Uh, now, not, now this is not a book that's available at all school districts across the state, but it is available in Anchorage, the largest school district. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something similar is not in the public libraries of your own children's school. Um, He went on to talk about what diversity, inclusion, and equity looks like in this book. And so he raised, uh, he, he brought the book out. It's called Let's Talk About It, The Teen's Guide to Sex, Relationships, and Being a Human. In one example, the book unpacks kinks, fantasies, and porn. It goes on to say, the book says, there's nothing wrong with enjoying some good porn. It's a fun, sugary treat. When consumed right, porn can help you discover new aspects of your sexuality. It's a great place to research fantasies and kinks safely on the internet. There's tons of people and communities out there who share your interest and have all kinds of advice. I'm going to stop right there. Because uh, as a guy who early on in my years had struggled in the early days of the Internet, struggled a little bit with uh, the whole pornography thing, I would say, what? I mean, what? And then telling these kids that there's safety on the Internet, that there's a ton of people who uh, and communities out there who share your interest with teenagers. Oh, sure. Just go join a chat room about some, you know, whatever kind of just what? Mind blown. By the way, he also read a portion of the book which provided tips to kids on sending naked pictures to their peers in texting. And of course, the school board president was like, well, no, we, we, thanks for, I mean, I know it sounds like you have some concerns about this book, but no, I'm going to read the damn thing to you because this is what you're giving to our kids. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable, Mr. School Board President, but you should be absolutely insane. All right. I, I wanted to, uh. 
I had another thing that I wanted to talk about this morning before this uh, this came across my electronic transom. I had three different emails and messages about this story this morning. People are obviously incensed about it, and to which I say, are you surprised? This is why I homeschooled all my kids, period. This, that right there, just that's why I homeschooled all my kids. Uh, I wanted to get into this article from the Alaska Landmine uh, about the base student allocation because it is a surprisingly insightful article. It is very, very well written uh, and well done. Uh, I had actually uh, reached out to, um, I didn't realize it was Jeff as in Jeff Landfield because it's from the Alaska Political Report. Uh, but I sent the email to Jeff and uh, and asked him if he wanted to come on and talk about the program. And he kind of laughed at me and said it was way too early in the morning. So I don't know. <laughs> Jeff and I have had a rocky relationship over the years. But um, anyway, I want to go over this because there's some fascinating details in this. And uh, maybe we'll get a chance later on in the show or maybe we'll reserve it for next week because this is some just some shocking stuff. In this breakdown of the BSA, things that people don't really understand, and it's laid out in black and white in charts and in and and everything else, and it is shocking that um, you know it, it's just shocking what you don't how you, how much it's it is not explained by the mainstream media. So we will uh, we'll continue uh, that discussion with that here shortly. But um, that's it. We got to go. Frank Tomaszewski is uh, waiting for us here. We are coming up on the commercial break. So let's hit it, shall we? We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will continue in just a moment, and uh, we will have uh, Representative Frank Tomaszewski with us here on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, Yeah, that was like, I need to take a shower now. I just feel like I might want to take a shower after reading excerpts from that book, which is for teenagers. Just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Um, All right. Um, Let me uh, get things uh, squared away here. I see that we have, uh, I see Frank's in the green room. And so let's go over to him and um, uh, see. We'll check his audio, make sure everything is uh, good to go and all that. Let's jump over there right now. Good morning, Frank. How are you this morning? Good morning, Michael. Another beautiful day. Yeah, that's what they say. Do me a favor. If you're on your laptop, pull your lid towards you just a little bit so that you're more. You're, there you go. See, look at that. Now we're all good. 
All right. Um, you sound good. You look, uh, boy, you look way too fancy for me. I'm wearing a sweater and a T-shirt, and you're all dolled up. I feel underdressed on my own show. But that's okay. <clears throat> um, so you ready to uh, you ready to discuss all the good stuff that's happening down there in Juneau? Well, <clears throat> I hope I can enlighten you on some stuff. Well, that'll be good. I got to tell you, there's a lot of stuff going on last night. A lot of stuff going on here, and we definitely want to hear everything that uh, we definitely want to hear about everything that's going on, and get your take on it uh, here in the uh in the in the next uh, segment or so you have to bail out <clears throat> excuse me you have to bail out by 10 till is that correct yeah that'd be that'd be convenient for me okay 15 10 till something like that all right well we're going to try and stretch it as far as we can i'd love to take you to the top of the hour but i don't want to hold you up so we'll uh we'll chat about that here and uh, we'll we'll take you as far as we can go here uh, up into the next break and uh, we'll be back here in just a hot second. So I'll put you back in the green room for a minute because I don't want to don't want to double do. So if you need to go grab a glass of water or whatever, do what you need to do, get things going on. That is fantastic. All right, let me go uh, over here. Wonder if there will be a book burning. Well, I mean, I'm all for that book. If if somebody wants to buy that book for their kid directly, that's on them. But to put it in a public library. Uh, amongst kids who may be exposed to that kind of stuff early. I mean, just, again, the encouragement, the encouragement of them to go out and get involved in the kink community. There's tons of peoples and community out there who share your interests and have all kinds of advice. They're basically telling these kids, go solicit advice from groups and chat rooms on the Internet about sexual kinks. <clears throat> that's just rife for, I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not one for burning books, but I'm definitely one for controlling, especially in the formative years, you know, keeping an eye on what my kids are reading. I would not hand my kid a hustler magazine either. I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. Um, I was surprised to hear that the Matsu Borough School District talk all about what the was the projected am, amount of the BSA money and the end and the whole they're planning on what to do for. Um, oh, and the the school district also gave Randy Tranny, the superintendent, a twenty thousand dollar bonus for keeping the schools open. How to post nudes in the internet and hide your identity? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Dave Donnelly said, let him read it. Yeah, exactly. Dave Donnelly stood up and said, and argued with the, uh, school board president to let them read it. Uh, Melody's already checked the Matsu borough school districts and the, that book is not there, but there were 56 books that were inappropriate and were going to require permission from parents to check out. Jerica says porn can be as bad as crack. I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> um, and we're wondering what's wrong with folks today. And remember, adults go to jail for sending and receiving naked pics of kids. I mean, that's the thing. They want, they're encouraging these kids to go out there and, and engage with these people, adults who are. I don't even know what to say. Okay. Uh, we're going to jump back into it. Here we go. Uh, we've got, uh, Frank Tomaszewski here with us and we're going to continue. 
The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free-Thinking Radio. All right, uh, continuing ahead now, we've got our guest uh, for this hour is Frank Tomaszewski. Uh, he is the uh, brand spanking new, newly minted legislator from the interior. He's got a chance to go down there to Juno, experience some of what they have to offer. Uh, which, that's got to be educational, just to say the least. Uh, and he joins us this morning to discuss... Uh, all the news that's fit to print, and we welcome him onto the program right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm doing good, and and I guess some things are just not fit to print from what well, I'm, I'm wow. listening to. I mean, I you know I got to tell you, you read the kind of stuff, and when when people when the school board gets <coughs> a little uncomfortable when you're reading some of the stuff from the book. Maybe that's not something you should give to teens uh, and young adults and and sometimes even preteens to read on their own, right? I mean, if you're uncomfortable with it, maybe that's not such a good idea. You know, I, I applaud those folks who who take the time to dive into what, what they are pushing for our, on our kids and and exposing it because we need more we need more folks like that getting involved. And 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 exposing that uh, agenda, I, I don't know what else to call it. You know, the oversexualization of kids. You know, kids have enough distractions in their lives that they don't need to have that kind of uh, garbage in schools. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, look, kids are already faced with the internet. I mean, my kids were probably exposed to more sexualization stuff outside of my control necessarily than I ever was as a youth. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening sometimes the things that, that can go on out there, no matter how hard a parent tries to keep track of everything, but to then expect to send them to school and have them be kept safe and walk into a library that's got Melody in the chat room just said that there's 56 books that are marked inappropriate for children at the Matsu Borough School District libraries uh, that require parental permission to check out. Why? Why do you why are you spending money on books that are going to require that? I mean, you know, let mom and dad buy the book for the kid if it's something that they think it's important that they should know. But anyway, I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, uh, but it is shocking, shocking stuff, to say the least. Um, so but, you, you wonder, go ahead. You wonder why the 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 grades are, are you know the performance is as bad as it is in schools in in alaska you know with us being 49th in the state in reading and and 49th and 50 in reading and math yeah that's you know those distract they don't need those distractions maybe we uh, yeah know, maybe should... maybe we should have a book on reading or a book on mathematics <laughs> instead of a book uh, instead of a book on sexting and how to join a kink club uh or whatever oh, it is yeah oh. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your experience down in the legislature here just quickly, because uh, I don't have a lot of time with you this morning. Um, you know, so what's it been? I mean, you, you dove into the deep end of the pool. You decided to jump into this. Um, give us a little bit, uh, you know, give us a little bit of uh, your hot take on what's it like down in Juneau. 
Is it everything you dream for and hope for? Uh, well, it, when everyone told me, you know, make sure you bring your hip waders and your uh, your raincoats uh, because it's going to, you know, it's it's basically a, a, a wet area. Um, but I, I haven't really had that experience. It seems like it's been pretty nice. You know, we have had some snowstorms and it's it rains, but you know, you know, my first week here it was sunshine almost every day. Um, we we flew in. I, I brought the family with me, at least the the three kids that are still living with me and my wife. So there's five of us plus the dog. That that was the difficult part. You know, everybody in Juno loves a dog, but nobody in Juno wants to rent to you if you have a dog. <laughs> so that was that was a difficult yeah. uh, proposition. Um, and and so you know, but it's it's interesting because the cul-de-sac that I I finally found a little townhouse at everybody has a dog, so uh, you know that's good. But no, it, it's it's been an interesting. Uh, you know, I've lived in Alaska for forty three years, and this is actually my first trip to the capital. Oh I've yeah, never been to Juneau before. Well, it's it's hard, so, right? I mean, it's hard. It's expensive. I've only been there twice in my entire life. Once when I was a kid with my dad, and the second time. When I was a newly elected assembly person, they sent me down there because they AML had their orientation going on down there. It's I mean, it's not easy to get to and it's not cheap to get to. That's why the average Alaskan has probably never been to Juneau for that reason alone. Um, Frank, yeah. go, let's uh, let's let's move on real quick here, because, again, I don't have a lot of time and I want to talk about the two big elephants in the room. The two things that everybody and by everybody, I mean, the normal powers that be the normal power brokers behind the scenes, the two things that they seem to want to talk about almost exclusively this session, and that is, of course, of course, first, the base student allocation formula, the funding for education, which ties in nicely to what we were just talking about with the book thing. Uh, and the second thing is defined benefits. Um, we're looking at uh, a base student allocation, and the proposals right now would suck a tremendous amount of money out of Alaska's just uh, 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 adjusted gross income, um, where they're talking about increasing the BSA by a thousand or twelve hundred and fifty dollars, uh, and everything else. And that seems to be that's all they want to talk about. Uh, but as you just pointed out, Alaska Schoolasta, you know, in, as far as scholastic achievement. I mean, we're in the bottom of the barrel. We've got, you know, three only one out of four kids don't even graduate and three out of four kids that are graduating. I mean, they can't even do basic math, reading, writing, arithmetic. They got to take remedial math to go take basic college level math courses, et cetera. Um, and yet they just say the answer is to throw more money at the problem. What's your take on the increase to the BSA accountability, the scholastic scores and more? Well, that those are all good questions, and 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 you were just talking about how expensive it is to get to Juno. Well, the average person isn't coming down here to to lobby me. It's the uh, it's the school districts, uh, the the unions, the uh, organized uh, folks that have this discretionary money apparently to come down and and organize and uh, lobby all the legislators. Um, as far as the as far as the BSA, when, when those folks come to me and come to my office, and, and I don't uh, refuse any anyone to come in and and give their side of the story, right? Um, I won't. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to anybody. I, I'm very open that way, and uh, we we can have a frank discussion. But you know, my question to those folks who who are asking for that extra money is, where's the accountability? 
how are you going to use this money and how is it going to increase the uh, test scores of our of our students? How are they going to excel in math and reading? And when I hear stories like this is the garbage that they're putting in our libraries and distracting the kids with, you know, it doesn't want me doesn't want to make me give them any more money. It makes me want them to actually hold themselves accountable and do what's right for our kids. Right. And, and you mentioned, again, uh, you know, what we have is we have government money chasing more government money. All these people from the school districts and the lobbyists, they are using governmentally funded money to pay for these lobbyists, to pay for these school uh, board members or PTA members or whatever. It, it, it becomes a kind of a circular train of using government money to chase more government money. There's no accountability. Anytime you talk about, well, Okay, we can discuss the BSA increase, but we have to attach some kind of accountability to it to show that the product that you're delivering is better than what it's been. And then they gasp and go, why do you hate the children? Or you're trying to cut us or you're, you know, no, you have to deliver a good product. And and then this none of this addresses the fact that the BSA, because of the way the formula is baked in and, and put together, there's no guarantee that any of that money is actually going to hit into the classroom. The BSA, the first take of all the BSA goes straight to administrative, overhead, personnel, uh, you know, benefits, all this other kind of stuff with no guarantee that any of this money is going to make it down into the classroom to actually increase the educational outcome. And that's the other thing. I mean, nobody we should be opening up the BSA formula and looking at it and putting back in that amendment that says 70%, there should be a guarantee that 70% of this money actually ends up into the educational component of this. It actually ends up in the classroom. Right. That money needs to follow the kids. And, and that's where we need it in the classrooms. We don't, you know, uh, and honestly, I haven't been in a lot of those education meetings where they're really heavily talking about about this uh, issue of the BSA. Uh, being in, in the finance, I'm kind of uh, stuck in three of my uh, subcommittees that I'm chairing. But, you know, the BSA, like you said, there's that formula. And that, that's not the only money that they get. We, we are at the top in the nation as far as Dollars per capita per student Wait, that we Frank, spend on. That's not what the paper said. The paper said this is all the money they're getting, and they've been underfunded for years, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I'm being facetious, but you're right. right. Th that's the point I've been trying to make, that the BSA is just the beginning of the monies that they are receiving. But they act like this is all the money we're getting, and look at how we're shortchanging our children. Yeah, and, and there has been no increases either, right? It's been flat funding. But here we sit at the almost the top of the nation as you know, there's only a few states that are that are paying more per per student, you know, states like New York and New Jersey. And, and here we are in Alaska. And, you know, we've got some of the lowest scores in the nation as testing. And, you know, it's kind of astounding that some come in and say, well, those tests are bad. And I'm like, really? How do you? what's a math test? I mean, math is kind of a universal language, right? Right. I mean, how, how do you mess up a math test that, you know, other than not knowing how to do math? Right. So reading, you know, reading comprehension, right. Reading comprehension and reading language. How do you, if you, I mean, how big of a test is, if you can't read the test, that's a pretty tough deal. I don't care how good or bad the test is. If you can't read it, that's a problem.
Um, so, I mean, are you in favor of at least addressing this or uh, maybe increasing with accountability or opening up the opening up the BSA itself to talk more about this? I think it, the discussion needs to be had. Absolutely. We need to we need to find out where this money is going. When we look at the schools, the way they're laid out now with 54 school districts in Alaska, you know, we only have 40 house districts in Alaska. And, you know, Fairbanks has one school district. Where are these other 53 school districts? The North Pole, uh, or not North Pole, the North Slope School District encompasses a huge portion of our state. They're only one school district. Some of these, you know, there's some islands here or here or there, and there's two school districts to one island. Right. And, you know, right. and, and you wonder, they all have to have an administrator and a superintendent and, and IT help and, and, and they just, it seems to me that there could be some efficiency done in this system. And that's what I want to see. I want to see, and, and I asked all the, all the educators who come in, I say, where's, the, where's your plan to get parents into the classroom? Because everyone is talking about, you know, the number of students per teacher. I would like to see someone organize parents coming into the classroom because I know if my mom showed up into the classroom and was there, you know, on, on Wednesdays, I know I would be paying attention a lot more and, <laughs> and maybe not acting up as much as, yeah. I would, you know, Hey, I, I wasn't the greatest student. I was kind of the class clown. Um, but I know if we had actually a program to get, cause some, some parents can and have the time to be able to come into the classroom and would volunteer to help. Right. I, I asked everyone, What's your program to have your get uh, parents involved in? In because we know when parents are involved with their students, the students excel at a much higher rate. Uh, well, good. At least we know kind of where you're going on that. Let's talk for a minute about uh, defined benefits, uh, which has been the other push because they're saying this is the only way to uh, attract and retain, uh, you know, teachers and firefighters and police. And now it's pretty much every other governmental worker out there. But we know that nationwide there's a shortage of employees. There's a shortage of and especially teachers and some of these other things. There's a nationwide shortage uh, and there's no proof that any of this would fix that. On top of that, the price tag. We still owe $7 billion from our previous defined benefits programs down from $12 billion, and we're doing a good job there. We've cut it almost in half. But that was 17 years ago that we did, 16 years ago that we did that. How in the heck are we going to be, and, and how can they look us in the eye in a straight face and tell us, well, this will be revenue neutral, or this will save us money, or everything right. else? I mean, defined benefits is the black it's the sucking black hole of a financial future absolutely i mean we just had a presentation uh yesterday about the retirement system and in uh there there's it's astounding the graph from 2024 and, and the end of this current you know defined vent of the tier ones the tier twos the end of it ends somewhere in 2050 2060 somewhere like that where the where the curve finally comes back down right but when we're looking at uh 2032 we're going to be up for about 2.1 billion uh, per uh, for payouts right there's going to be it's we're under the you know under the water on on the fund and we can 
continue to uh, give money to it. We've uh, already given $8 billion above and beyond what we've the state has agreed over the past 20 years, $8 billion. And it, it just, how you can want to bring that system back and somehow call it cost neutral is just beyond me. Right. Um, what's the, take a temperature of the room, what's your feeling in the house right now anyway, from your side of the uh, aisle? What's your feeling on uh, on the overall defined benefits programs as they've been as they've been proposed right now? Is there is there an interest in it? Does it have a chance of passing, or are people actually looking at the fiscal notes and going, "Whoa"? That's a tough question. You know, it's it. You know, and within our caucus, I think you know we're all willing to look and to see and look at what's happening and and how we can change it or make it better. But no one wants to, in my opinion, I certainly don't want to put us back into a tier one system where we're going to have this graph looking at us, staring us in the face for the next 50 or 60 years and how we're going to how it's just going to bankrupt our state. So, you know, within within our group here in the House, you know, everyone, I think, is willing to look and to make a, a good level headed decision. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be a tough uh, hill to climb, I think, yep. to get any kind of de- defined benefits that that even resembles, you know, previous tier one, tier two type. Uh, Frank Tomaszewski has been our guest. Frank's got to go. He's got a meeting here in a few minutes. So we appreciate you coming on board. Thank you for being part of it today. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Frank, uh, sorry about that, but uh, yeah, that is just way too quick a segment. I wanted to get into some deeper stuff. We'll have to have you back on the program here in the near uh, future and uh, discuss this a little more, um, especially as we get further on in the session and we get a little more disclosure on what these folks are thinking on these two on these two processes or these two uh, uh, policies um, uh, further on down the road. So we'd love to have you come on there. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Michael. And uh, sorry, I've been uh, it's it's swamped. You know, we're swamped down here. And, you know, you can see I'm I'm rolling it early in the morning and till late at night. Right. And it's. but it's but it's good. I'm having a good time, actually. Good. Well, we hope that you are able to, uh, you know, hold the line on some of these things and we'll uh, we'll get your discussions uh, back. I mean, I really I'm glad to see that you saw one of the major the major things in the uh, school discussions is that, uh, you know, 54 separate school districts, a little consolidation could go a long way. A little consolidation yeah. on that. Even if you just cut the number of school districts in half, you could consolidate the overheads from all those, pooling all their health care into a single pool instead of 54 separate different things, entities. And then, of course, the discussion on actual scholastic achievement. All of those things would be good things to discuss. And I look forward to talking to you about it again here in the future. All right. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks uh, for coming in and joining us, Frank. I appreciate you being part of it. All right. Um, well, I want to uh, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what's going on in the uh, what's going on with the BSA. But we didn't even get a chance to talk about the governor's new proposed amendments. I don't know if you've seen this. 
The governor's new proposed uh, monies that he wants to spend, another $117 million uh, that he wants to spend. And so we will talk about that here in just a moment as well, uh, and we'll get some takes on that, um, and we'll see what goes on. Kevin, uh, Representative Kevin McCabe said, um, everyone should watch the defined benefits discussion in the House Finance from yesterday. Kevin, if you want to call in and give us some highlights on that, you can hit me on my cell phone. That's fine. I'd love to hear exactly, because I didn't have a chance to watch it yesterday. Um, I mean, Frank is Frank is right. It's been busy. I bet I get right off the show and I go right to work. I got done with work last night at six o'clock last night. So I didn't have a chance to sit down and watch the uh, discussion in house finance. So if you want to call in and talk about, uh, and talk about, uh, that, give us some highlights. I would, uh, I'd love to hear from you on that. Feel free to, uh, feel free to give us a ring and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a discussion on it. Um, if you'd like, or I can send you a link for the, uh, uh, I can send you a link for the uh, <clears throat> Streamyard for the video interview if you want to do that, Kevin. Uh, because I would love, I would love to hear some of the highlights from that discussion. That would be that would be fantastic. Um, just let me know if you want to do that, and if so, which way? Because I I can I'll shoot you a I'll shoot you a link in a hot second. In fact, I'll just shoot you the link in case you want to do it. How about that? Since I'm right here. And I got that. You feel free to join me there, or you can just do it via telephone. Okay, got that done. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, districts don't care about the laws associated with the formula funding. I mean, they, uh, as I get more and more into the actual formula and I look at how it's broken down and I look at how it's factored, I am blown away. Let me just give you let me just give you a little tease here. This is one of the lines that just stood out for me. Um, it, at the end of all these adjustment factors, this is talking about the BSA, the number of students used for the BSA formula can vary greatly from the actual number of students being educated in the district. And of course, that's how they're funded, right? For instance, in Anchorage, the 40,944 average daily student count, 41,000 daily students. They count as if there were 73,000 students after all the adjustments to the formula. So they're getting funded to the tune of 73,000 students when they only actually have 41,000 students in the district. For the What? I mean, the way that they figure this thing out, I mean, this is, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. All right, Kevin's not going to make it. He says he's got to jump in the shower. But he will clip it out and send me the highlight reel from the gavel to gavel, which I appreciate. Thank you. Um, and uh, I appreciate uh, you doing that. Um, all right, good morning. Hey, my dad just joined in. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Everyone say hi to my dad in the chat room. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's late this morning. You slept in. Scolding, scolding, scolding. I'm not scolding at all. He can sleep in as much as he wants. Um, all right. Uh, we are coming up against it. We're 20 seconds out, uh, or so getting ready to join in the Michael Duke show. Please feel free to, uh, like, and share, like, and follow, do all that, do the YouTube things. Let's, uh, let's get back to it. Shall we common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Here we go. 
The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your daddy talk radio. It is the Michael Duke Show. Coming up at the top of the hour, Kathy Tilton is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking with her about all the things that are going uh, um, with the uh, uh, with with what's going on. Um, I want to. I suppose I could. I should open up the. I suppose I should open up the phone lines. I guess uh, in this last segment, I got a couple things that I want to talk about. But if anybody out there has something else that they want to talk about, I know. In the past, Melody has wanted to update us on the uh, has wanted to update us on the uh, situation going on in the Matsu. The bus strike still going on. We're in week what well, week three now of um, of the bus strike still going on. I saw a comment earlier yesterday from somebody. It was on Facebook, I think, that said, uh, you know, that the classrooms. It's something like a third of the students are not showing up because parents are having a hard time getting their kids to the classes that's uh that's an issue i mean uh they're now talking about actually distributing gas cards to parents in lieu of uh you know because they can't get bus they can't get buses over there and so now they're in, they're doing that in lieu of that they're going to give uh gas cards to parents and pay for it out of the transportation fund I mean, my biggest question is right now on that whole deal, just as a sidebar, is why have they not uh, why have they not uh, started legal action against Durham on this whole thing? I mean, Durham is in violation of their contract. It doesn't matter that it's about an argument between employees and employers or a strike or whatever. That has nothing to do with it. You are not providing the service that you were contracted for. Why are we not having this discussion? This is a $200 million contract. Why are we not having this discussion, right? That's that's my question. Um, and, uh, yeah, so if, whatever you want to call it about. The phone lines are now uh, phone lines are now open, powered by our friends at Satellite West, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you want to call in, thank you to Satellite West for, for, uh, for hitting us with this. Okay, here's what I wanted to hit on real quickly. Governor has announced uh, proposed amendments to his state budget that he released back in December, which was already upside down, right? That budget already had a $300 million deficit baked into it. Now he has announced another $117 million in undesignated general fund budget amendments to his budget, uh, which would bring the whopping total of the deficit to, well, approaching half a billion dollars, $433.5 million in deficits. Now, the things that he is proposing to to increase or pay for, it seems like they're pretty, you know, pretty needed things. Uh, you know, increasing monies for the public defender agency, uh, you know, putting uh, more people in or getting more money into the Division of Public Assistance so they can handle all the backlog of that stuff and get ready for the Medicare, uh, Medicaid compliance thing. Uh, the ferry funding systems, a match in the ferry funding systems, 
because uh, that's the only way you're going to get they have two hundred eighty five million dollars in federal discretionary va- uh, grants that they can get a hold of for the marine highway system. I mean, these seems like <clears throat> viable and valid expenses that really probably need to be taken care of. But no discussion, no discussion on how we're going to offset the $400 million deficit. Now, he said uh, in the beginning, uh, where's, the, where's the quote that I was looking for? I got 15 different windows open here. Uh, the quote uh, that he basically said was, well, you know, this can be handled by uh, the, you know, the monies that are in the CBR, the SBR. And then when we get carbon online, that's when everything will take it. You know, when we get the carbon stuff going, we believe that the new revenue stream can address a number of issues going forward. So right now, that's the plan. I mean, we, we believe that what we've presented can be covered right now with existing revenues and the constitutional budget reserve. <laughs> what? The, the CBR is almost empty, but, you know, I it just, it doesn't, half a billion dollars, nearly, 433 billion, a million, uh, but nearly half a billion dollars uh, upside down. And that's just what the governor proposed. You know that the legislature is going to take their own spin on it. And if they get in any of the things that they really want to talk about, i.e., defined benefits, BSA increase, and all this kind of stuff. It won't be half a billion dollars. It'll be a billion-dollar deficit. You know, that's, I mean, that's, or it's just going to all come out of the PFD. One of the two. One of the two. So the governor is increasing um, the public defenders agency by about $8 million, just over $8 million. The Division of Public Assistance is going to get Nine million dollars in the operating budget, and they're going to get another fifty-four million included in the capital budget. Uh, I think the the fifty-four million has to do with migrating the into a new computer system because they're I don't know. I think they're still using a system that runs on cobalt or something, and so they got fifty-four million dollars in the capital budget for the public defenders, and then again the. Uh, the uh, the Department of uh, Public Transportation and Public Facilities, they're getting a ferry funding match as well. Uh, that's going to be pretty significant, so that they can get uh, so they can get those federal matching funds. Uh, they also put seven point five million for the Department of Public Safety for replacing a patrol vessel. They gave uh, ten million to the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute and the Alaska Travel Industry Association, which are $5 million each to each one of those organizations. Those are groups that are basically, they are, um, what, do they, what do they call that? They're, they're oh, I hate it when I lose my words. They're basically industry groups. They're industry groups that are begging the government for money to help market the industries, whether it's the travel industry or whether it's the seafood industry and marketing. They're getting government ha- $10 million in government handouts to advertise to people outside to come to Alaska or to buy Alaska seafood, which I, I'm not against the those things happening. I am against looking to government money to make it happen. I mean, the travel, you know, 
If the travel industry wants to come together and tax themselves and pool their money together to go advertise it, great. Stop going to the government for $5 million. Uh, $24 million for Medicaid rates, $5 million for the state assumption of permitting primacy, $2.8 million for more uh, VPSOs. Uh, it's just all kinds of things in this. You have to go take a look at it. There's links. Uh, there's stories up in uh, ADN, Must Read, KTOO. Everybody's got a story about it this morning. So, all right, Kathy Tilton's going to be our guest up next. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. All my ducks in a row. Yep. Uh, All the ducks in a row. Donna says, Ugh, I have so many comments about where the funding is going. I mean, shouldn't we? I mean, I'm all for highlighting what's going on in Alaska. But what really burned burned my cookies there was the fact that you've got $10 million going towards the Alaska Travel Industry and Association and the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, both of which are trade entities made up of local Alaskan businesses, right? So the Alaska Travel Industry Association is made up of tour operators and businesses and mom and pops and the big ones, the princesses and all And yet they keep coming to the state with their handout saying, give us money to market the state so that more people show up. And, of course, the argument there is, well, it's a cheap investment because if you do that, then we'll bring millions of dollars into the state with new tourism and everything. Well, if that's the case, you would benefit, too. Why don't you gather the money from your own organization? You know? I don't, I don't see radio stations going to the legislature and saying, give us a few million dollars to market ourselves to the local community so that they will come and buy our radio advertising. I mean, w- <sighs> that one burns me up. $10 million. $10 million. $8 million for wildfire suppression. $7.5 million for the Alaska Energy Authority, um, $250,000 to assign a dedicated state trooper to investigate in-custody inmate deaths, uh, and more. So it's, it's, it's shocking, shocking, I tell you. Shocking, I tell you. All right. Uh didn't uh don't th- didn't the fishermen out of the Copper River fishery wait a second didn't the fishermen out of the t- Copper River fishery vote to tax themselves to form a marketing association for my seat in the house it was wildly successful uh i don't know i mean they all belong this again the 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 travel agency association or travel associate the ATIA um which i'll have to go back to the other page to look at it again i mean great group of folks don't get me wrong 
but why are we taking governmental money for what is essentially an industry association, a trade, a trade group of private businesses? Well, the argument, of course, is that, uh, you know, it's the, it affects all of Alaska. When we bring all these tourists up, everybody's going to win. So, of course, it. Yeah. But again, you are the prime beneficiaries as the tourism businesses, as the travel industry businesses. You're the prime. Why would we ask for governmental money to benefit your bottom line? I would say that you should probably pony up. How many members are in the organization? You got a hundred, you got a thousand. Everybody gave a thousand bucks. Guess what? You got money to, for days to, to get it done. I mean, why are you asking the government? Well, because the government has been the sugar daddy for years. That's why they're asking for it, because they know the government's given it out before. It's an industry trade group. $5 million. And the seafood marketing industry, $5 million. People want to buy Alaska seafood already. And by the way, you guys are making the profits on it, so maybe you should throw money in the kitty and advertise yourself instead of asking the government $10 million for those two trade industries. Like I said, substitute those trade industries with your own business, with the, with the own industry that you work in, and just say, what would it be like for Michael Dukes to walk in front of the legislature and say, well, I work in radio, and so I really think that you should give us $5 million so that we can advertise to all the the businesses and the communities and everything else to tell them to buy our radio. How would that fly? I mean, it would stimulate the economy, right? How would that fly? All right, let's go over here. Kathy uh, Tilton is in the green room, and we are just about ready to jump back into it here um, with uh, hour two coming up here dead ahead. Good morning, Kathy. How are you this morning? Good morning. I am doing great. How about yourself? You know, I'm just, you know me, I'm just griping. I'm just, I'm just complaining over here about everything that's going on and <laughs> the governor's new proposed budget and new amendments and everything. And I'm a little irritated. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but it's good to talk with you and I appreciate you coming back. I know you're a busy lady, but um, it's, uh, it's good to have you on. And uh, I think the people mm -hmm. are ready for some straight dope on what's going on in the legislature. So we're hoping that you're going to smack us with some truth here this morning. So. <laughs> Um, all right. So you sound good. You look good. We're ready to go. We're about 60 seconds out. So if you'll hold the line, I'll be right back to you. Okay. So don't, uh, don't get a glass of water or a cup of coffee or whatever else you need to get things going. Folks, uh, please like and share, like and follow, subscribe and ring the bell. Do all the things, the YouTube things and the Facebook things and everything else. We'd love to see it. Let's uh, get back to it. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Uh, House Majority Speaker Kathy Tilton up next, right here.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live across the world on the internet uh, at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only live stream, uh, links to our podcast, links to the social media sites, and more, plus live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, uh, Thursday edition of The Michael Duke Show. We're jumping right into it. We've got our second guest for the uh, for the day. It's been a few weeks since we've talked to her, and we've been looking forward to chatting to get the full rundown of everything that's happening down in Juneau. Joining us this morning on the program is a Speaker of the House, uh, Kathy Tilton, representative uh, here from South Central, and uh, we're joining, uh, asking her, well, she's joined us already. We're going to bring her in to talk this morning and uh, and get the straight dope on everything that's going on. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, Michael. I'm doing great. How are you? You know, it's, again, another beautiful day in paradise. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Well, I lied. Maybe I'd like to be in Hawaii for just a little bit, but, you know. It's fine. I'm I'm about done with winter at this point uh, of my uh, of my day. Um, uh, Kathy, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we got a lot to talk about here, um, and I want to kind of dive into it. Um, when we spoke last time, you you had the the organization of the house had basically just occurred. Um, mm-hmm. You had some uh, you know some assignments that were going out. And I don't think we'd even I don't think there'd even been an announcement on the assignments of committees. Maybe it had just happened. Uh, yeah. But now we've seen some work happen. We've seen some things be done. Um, and so there's really three major things that I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you today about, of course, the big elephants of the room, the discussion around the BSA, the discussion around defined benefits. Um, mm-hmm. I also want to talk about the long-term fiscal plan that the majority is going to be talking about and pushing. And then any other hot-button things that you want to talk about, feel free to bring those into the conversation as well. But let's uh, let's get started uh, here in discussing what we've been talking about for a good part of the morning, which is the base student allocation uh, and uh, and how crazy the discussion around that seems to be getting. Because what we have is we have a problem on multiple fronts. First and foremost, there's no guarantee that if we increase the base student allocation that a substantive amount of that money is actually going to make it directly into the classroom to increase education. There's no accountability. And anytime you talk about putting some kind of accountability component into it, they immediately start screaming at you about hating the children. And of course, why do you want to cut education, et cetera. Uh, but this is a huge price tag. If the $1,250 one gets through, that's 1% of the adjusted gross income of every Alaskan. That's a huge number uh, with no accountability or anything else. Let's talk a little bit here about the BSA. What are your thoughts and what is the majority working on right now? Absolutely. You know, the for whatever reason, uh, people seem to think that if you 
just continue to put more money towards something that that's going to make it better. But I think we've seen uh, through the years that just increasing things or, or putting more money at it doesn't make it better. We haven't seen an increase in our student outcomes. As a matter of fact, we might have seen decreases in student outcomes. The um, you know, every every group that comes in and uh, mind you, we have a lot of groups coming here in in Juno right now. It's great that the Capitol is open. Um, it would be great. It'd be even better if the Capitol was in a place on the road system where uh, everyday folks could come in and just uh, express their thoughts and wishes. Uh, but, you know, I talk to a lot of the even the kids that are coming in and, uh, you know, they they seem to think that, you know, well, for some reason, they seem to think that money kind of grows on trees. And right now, money doesn't grow on trees, I have to say. And if we don't have some accountability measures attached to any kind of dollars that go towards the BSA, we'll just uh, be doing the same thing that we've always done. So what does that look like? Um, you know, the more I'm talking with people, the more I'm kind of thinking about that in not not just accountability measures, but transparency measures in budgeting. Um, Representative Rauscher has a bill that uh, would have an online checkbook uh, for school districts uh, so that people could see where are those dollars going to. I think that, you know, everybody here wants and you know, we all want our kids to have a great education, but that's the that's the bottom line, we want the money to get down to the kids so that the kids are getting a, a great education. So I'm excited about uh, Representative Rauscher's uh, bill, and hopefully that'll be something that we'll be hearing. There's a second component to that that um, I can't really give the details to, but I know that the um, administration, the governor has an uh, uh, education package that he's going to be uh, putting forward sometime in the next week or so that I think might change the conversation about um, what we do with education. Well, I mean, anything that we can do to, again, to attain some accountability and some actual, you know, uh, however you want to look at it. I mean, education at this point is kind of an industry in Alaska that produces a product of well-rounded, educated people. And if you're looking at it from that perspective as an industry, it's a failing industry because, again, we're 49th, 50th, 48th on all the various uh, scholastic achievement scores. And yet the answer seems to be just throw more money at it. It'll fix the problem. Nobody's acknowledging. And this is not strictly an Alaskan issue, but Alaska, it's probably the worst culprit because we are on the highest end of the spend scale and the lowest end of the achievement scale. But until we acknowledge that there's something fundamentally broken in the education system itself and try to address that, which I know the Read by Nine program and some of those other things have done, we're, we're spinning our wheels here. We are absolutely spinning our wheels. Absolutely. You're right, Michael. And the other thing is, you know, we, we talk about labor and workforce shortages. And so what are we doing to help our, our, uh, our young people be ready to go into the workforce. Not everybody's gonna go to a college. And at this point, you know, I hear a lot of the kids coming in and saying they're gonna go outside to another state to go to school. Um, so, um, and but not everybody's gonna go, you know, not everybody has that in mind. So what are we providing as far as, um, you know, work ready labor force? Um, one of the 
disappointing things for myself and being a private business owner was when I went to, to hire somebody out of high school. Um, it was a whole class that was graduating and they were excited that they had three people that were workforce ready, meaning that they can balance a checkbook. I know it's a, I think it's a little better now um, what, that they're teaching more life skills types of things and work ready types of um, classes. But, you know, um, part of that problem with our workforce shortage has to do with, uh, you know, what's happening early on. Well, right. And the trades, the ignoring of the trades and the vocational ed and things like that. Like you said, not everybody is going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer that requires higher education in a university. A lot of them, I mean, we need welders, we need, you know, mariners, we need uh, Avtech and, and people to keep the airplanes flying and we need people to flip burgers or ditch diggers or whatever it is. All those things make a society go forward. And until we acknowledge that there are people who are suited for certain things and that they have interest in certain things, we're just we're throwing money down a rat hole here. The other problem with the base student allocation formula is that it is heavily, heavily weighed for those monies to go to build, bolster and bloat administrative and overhead and things like that. And that money is not making it down into the class. Senator Hughes had a great speech the other day on the floor talking about th this is not going to do anything. And even if you guaranteed that the money was going to reach into the classroom, it may only have a minor effect on it. And you're talking about throwing millions of dollars at the situation. Sure, I brought up an article that I had seen um, early on about <clears throat> the relationship of the increase of the student to the increase of the teachers to the increase of the administration, where the student increase um, from uh, 2019 to now was um, under 10%. The increase in the teachers was about you know a little bit more, but the increase in administration was like a 78% increase. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, we. I think the argument should be that if we're going to talk about the BSA, we're going to talk about increasing the BSA, we also need to talk about opening up the formula and looking at the components of it. Maybe putting back in the amendment and the waiver that said there was a requirement that 70% of the monies actually make it into the classroom. Um, I mean, my favorite chart, and by favorite, I mean the most revealing chart, is the overall, it's a 20, it was a 20 or 25 year chart on student enrollment in the state mm -hmm. of Alaska. And you could see that it was just, it was on this declining slope. And on the opposite side was the administrative and it was going, it was this inverse V that was like, it was huge, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem is that we have five administrative uh, overhead, administrative personnel, support personnel for every four teachers. That's yeah. insane. That, I mean, we, yeah. that's not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable at all. And, uh, and that's why, um, you know, uh, I can speak, I, you know, I can't speak for every single member in our caucus, but I can speak for the majority of the members of, of the caucus that uh, there has to be some, something, uh, some accountability, some transparency, and um, not just dollars thrown at the uh, thrown at the problem and, you know, some kind of reform. Like I say, I'm kind of excited that uh, next week, I believe we'll be seeing an education package that will uh, come from the administration that will, I think, change the conversation. So I'm looking well, forward to that. the conversation needs to be changed because, again, what we're seeing in the local media and the newspapers is kind of this insinuation that we have been underfunding education for years 
because mm-hmm. the BSA hasn't going up, basically insinuating that the BSA is the only funding that they get. Yet we know by talking to people like Sarah Montalbano from the Alaska Policy Forum and more yep. that education costs in the last 19 years have gone up 35 percent. We've increased education spending by 35 percent. Where's the money going? And again, we go right back to that whole administrative curve and everything else. Um, give us you just said you spoke for the majority of folks in the uh, in the uh, majority uh, overall tenor and tone in the room as far as where the BSA is going. We're going to see the governor's plan come out. How do you think that changes the conversation, uh, if at all? If you can give us some details on that before we move on. Yeah, I can't really give you the details on what uh, what uh, the the governor's uh, plan is looking like, but I will say that it will. It, it, I think that it will flip the script a little bit. Um, in that the conversation won't be that it has to be the BSA. There's outside of the box ideas and options of how we can help education at this point in time. And when you and like you just said, uh, Michael, if you're going to look at the BSA, we need to look at the formula itself, and we need to really right. dive into that. So we need to look at ideas that are outside of that. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear it, and I hope that we see some. I hope we see a little bit of a change in the dialogue, a little bit of change in the narrative of what we're uh, uh, of what we're seeing on that. Uh, uh, I'm going to sure our, um, you know, the House majority is getting criticized because we haven't come out with some dollar amount. You know, right. the the media and everybody wants us to say, oh, we want the BSA to be this amount. But we want to look for, you know, uh, we want to look for outside of the box ideas that can help with education. But where we know that education is helping the student, that the student is getting the education that we want them to get and that um, we are getting results, results-based education. Right, exactly. I mean, that's the kind of thing. And yeah, you're not being treated very well by the media. I had to laugh at the the headline from a couple days ago. It says, after a month in the legislative session, the GOP-dominated House majority is still deciding priorities. Of course, nobody yeah. mentioned that last session, a month in, they still hadn't had, they still didn't have an organization going on, you know? So I think you guys are yeah. at least ahead of the power curve here on this. Uh, we're up against the break. Uh, uh, speaker Kathy Tilton is our guest. We're going to talk here in just a moment about defined benefits. And uh, and that is the elephant in the room that could literally bankrupt the state if we're not careful. So we're going to talk with uh, her about that. Plus, the long-term fiscal plan. What What is it? Where are we going? What's happening with it? Kathy Tilton, our guest. We return to more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now with uh, Speaker uh, Kathy Tilton. Um, I imagine you've been pretty busy. I imagine it's been a busy, busy time here trying to figure out all these policy things and everything else. Um, but uh, you know, can you give us give us how how are things been going overall? I mean, how is the how is the majority caucus feeling? How are the Bush members folding in? Give us a little bit of a. This is we're in the break, so we're kind of diverging for a minute just to not repeat ourselves. Give us a little backstory on how things are going uh, in the caucus overall. 
Yeah, thanks, Michael. Um, you know, we have a great team. We we had a great base team before, and we have a great team that has expanded. And, you know, I don't look at any divisiveness in, in the team. I mean, obviously, people are going to have different policy ideas, and but that's no different than before. We aren't all aligned on everything all the time. But a team that wants to work together, I mean, we, um, you know, uh, good governance is what we want to be known for. Um, I said when I took the gavel that we wanted to, you know, have respect for ourselves, respect for each other, but that way bringing up back respect to the institution. And so um, I'm really pleased uh, the uh, rural caucus is um, blending in very well. Some of the um, stands that um, may have, uh, we may have felt from previous years, um, you know, are, are not really there. And we seem to, uh, we seem to be doing really great. And, you know, for uh, all of the members are just, really hard at work right now. I mean, subcommittees is sucks up all the air out of the room. So um, <laughs> that does, it does happen. It seems like, yeah. and, and of course we've got some outliers here. Uh, we spoke last week with, uh, 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 with David Eastman about his sure. debacle and everything else. Any comment on what happened there? Uh, I know that uh, he was bent out of shape, but again, didn't want to necessarily work with the thing. He now claims that he's the only conservative Republican caucus left <laughs> in the state. Um, what, what, what's your take on that whole thing? Well, you know, I, and, and I think representative Eastman knows this as well as, um, as well as I do, because he was a part of the caucus in the last session. Um, he knows that everything that we do is a caucus decision. There wasn't any one individual that made any decision and, uh, you know, um, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, working with other folks is, you know, and being being an outlier is fine. You don't have to, everybody doesn't have to agree on everything. That's not what we want. We want people that have ideas and we can have good debate and good discussion. But you also have to be able to work with people where you're uh, not, uh, not taking, uh, uh, not uh, giving a feeling of, of, of um, a, maybe a lack of a trusting relationship. Yeah, the adversarial relationship inside yeah. the own caucus is definitely not something that is. Uh, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't make progress happen. It doesn't make moving the moving the ball happen. And I think that's uh, that's been part of the problem for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, the governor proposed uh, uh, basically a nearly full statutory PFD. Uh, has the caucus taken a position yet on the PFD, or are you are we in a wait and see attitude, or what's what's the feel right now from the caucus on trying to protect a statutory lawful PFD? Well, you know, with uh, our last caucus, this caucus has some diverse um, thoughts on the dividend itself, but I can say that I haven't changed as far as, you know, following the law. And uh, I think the goal would be to try to keep the PFD as intact as possible. That being said, uh, there is a whole lot of whole lot of dollars out there uh, that everybody's asking for. And that's one question I ask them uh, when the people come in looking for money for this and money for that and money for this. And like I said earlier, money doesn't grow on trees yet. If the carbon right. package passes, maybe it will someday, right, but right. it doesn't grow on trees yet. So, um, so how do you pay for things? Yeah, you know, exactly. How already, do you pay for it? Yeah. You were already in it. Yeah, you want all this stuff. How are you going to pay for it? Uh, are you saying that we should cut 
monies that will affect the lowest 80% income earners in the state the most? Or should we present new revenues or how to, I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't pop up from nowhere. So good combination, good conversation. All right, here we go. We're 10 seconds out. Kathy Tilton is our guest. We're about to jump into it on defined benefits. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio, like and share, like and share. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now with uh, Kathy Tilton, who is a speaker of the Alaska House, uh, leading the majority there uh, on the uh, on the House side of things. We just finished talking up uh, about the BSA uh, and picked up a few things during the commercial break, but we really want to talk about the defined benefits issue because, again, that is the issue that I think that holds the most financial and fiscal peril for the state. Uh, I mean, Kathy. When we stopped the defined benefits program back in 2006, at the time we were at nearly a $13 billion unfunded liability. We've we've punched another $8 billion into it since then. But according to the maths and actuarials and everything else, because of uh, the cost and expansion, we're only down to $7 billion in in uh, in unfunded liability uh, from the previous program. And now there's this discussion about, well, we need to add more people to it. Some say just the first responders or first responders and teachers, but we know that would lead to a lawsuit of unequal treatment amongst employees. And another proposal would say we put all state employees plus all municipal and borough and city employees on it, adding 40,000 people to a new defined benefits program. But we're assured that it will be revenue neutral or that it will actually save us money or whatever it is. This is the fiscal sucking black hole that could I mean, this is a this is a problem. Uh, give us your take on the defined benefits and what the majority is thinking right now. Sure. When it comes to the defined benefits, it was a little bit unfortunate that we had, um, you know, things were kind of hurried up in the beginning and uh, in our um, in our organization. And so I um, feel like the uh, bill itself did not get the vetting that it should have got in its first committee of referral, which was community and regional affairs. Um, the vetting that I, you know, through no fault of the, um, through no fault of the committee chairman, um, this was a, a new committee chair and he was getting a lot of pressure from, from some other folks and we had just organized, but, um, you know, the, what we really should have heard there would have been the effect on communities and how much it would have cost communities across the state. We got a little bit of that, but we didn't get a lot of that. Um, there's some organizations that look at pension and uh, plans across the state that have been doing some analysis and um, giving some feedback on that. And um, it, it, it sounds like there wouldn't just be a long-term risk in the plan risk to the state in the plan that's before us, but it might be an immediate risk to the plan because of the, how do I think a 16 year look back. And uh, so, yeah, that's really concerning. I mean, the reason they went from defined benefits to defined contribution in uh, um, 141 was because of the indebtedness that the state was incurring was unsustainable. So again, um, 
you know, I'm sure everybody wants everybody to have all the all the best in life. But the, the question is, you know, defined benefits is not the only answer to our uh, problems with our workforce shortage. As I'm talking to more and more people here, there's a there's a lot of things included in that, like what we talked about earlier with just um, education opportunities um, in um, career types of things. There's um, um there's housing issues. There's, um, you know, there's, there's just, again, those outside of the box and it, and the answer, it's kind of like with the BSA, the answer isn't just that we have to do this one, one thing. And, um, so, um, you know, uh, as a, myself, I'm not accepting that the only answer to every, all of our problems here in Alaska is a defined benefits plan. Right. Well, and again, part of the problem is, is the one thing we're not talking about, or I mean, haven't talked about up until this point is again, the fiscal responsibility for the local communities. I mean, if the 40,000 employees are put on there from boroughs and cities and, and, and municipalities and things like that, they're already currently still repaying millions of dollars into the previous plan they would now be on the hook for a, another another portion of this it could be a huge financial hit to communities big and small um with no end in sight uh, as far as the top end of what those things could cost i mean we're talking about uh you know tens of millions of dollars that uh, could get away i remember when i served on the borough assembly in fairbanks they were still dealing with uh they were still this was in 20 13, 2014, they were still dealing with uh, repaying their portion of the original uh, uh, defined benefits plan. And it was, we're talking about millions of dollars a year. And just to add to that makes no sense, especially in the fiscal crisis that we're in now. Sure. I mean, I totally um, have great respect for our first responders. Um, absolutely. My dad was a firefighter and, you know, retired firefighter for uh, AFD. I have I have great res respect for all of the first responders. But again, the other day in my office, there was some other folks who came in who, you know, maybe they should be considered first responders as well. And those are the guys that get out and are plowing the roads after it snows. I mean, they're the reason we have accidents or don't have accidents in some some cases. So you, um, when you talk about the kind of the camel's nose under the tent, it, you're absolutely right, because when you start to think about it, and this is the reason they didn't do a carve out on 141 back in back when they, well, I was going to say back in the day, but that sounds like such an old, old statement, but <laughs> back in the day was because they knew that if you were going to move, you know, have one group uh, carved out, then you were going to have another group and another group and it was going to end up yeah. being everybody. <clears throat> and I, I know I'm reminding people when we put the $3 billion in to buy it down so that we could afford what we were doing or to help right. with some of it. And um, so, um, are there other options? That's that's the question. Am I really? Are we willing to hear what's out there? Yes, but let's not just be stuck and we have to go down this one road of this one plan. There's other options with uh, with a uh, defined contribution. There's uh, you know there could be um, yearly bonus type situations. There could be. Um, I think that the uh, Reason Foundation has uh, done some investigation and said that our rates across the nation, our rates on our plan here in Alaska might be a little bit low. So maybe that's something to consider. But it just, I just think that, you know, throwing this and saying this, uh, this DB plan HB 22 is the only saving grace. I think, I think that we need to open our minds here and expand and look a little further because 
you know, what good is it going to do if we put our state into an indebtedness that we can't afford right. to do? That we can't um, ever get out of, right. And that we're exactly. then then we're then endangering the corpus of the permanent fund on top of that uh, as well, um, uh, as well. Um, the And I think you made another, I think you made another valid point, which is that there are many reasons why people decide to leave government employment uh, or leave a job in particular. Benefits may be a part of it, but benefits are more amorphous, especially retirement benefits. They're more amorphous in the long term. People are more concerned about work environment, uh, you know, recognition. There's a lot of other factors in there that make people leave their jobs more than anything else. And so I don't think this would be the the I don't think this would be the uh, the, the the golden ticket that they're looking for or believing in. Uh, and in fact, <clears throat> it would create, I think, some more problems as well. Donna Ardwin in the chat room says defined benefits are not good for employees who don't want to work for the government forever because it's not portable. That's that's another part of the problem. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and so that brings us to a sustainable fiscal plan, Michael, because yeah. um, all of these things that we're looking at, which are, you know, we're hearing, uh, let's let's put some money towards this. Let's put money towards this. Let's put money towards this. Well. Don't we think that if we put together a sustainable fiscal plan where we're not budgeting just to try to um, balance this year's budget, that maybe some of those things work themselves out as we uh, go down the road. But, you know, we we don't have a sustainable fiscal plan. What we do here right now is that we we uh, we are here in Juneau. We have a budget before us. We have to figure out how are we going to balance that budget. And we're focusing on that one year budgeting. Um, and that's you know, it takes all the air out of the room because we we need to get a balanced budget by the time we leave um, session here. And that's, you know, that's that constitutional duty that we have. So why the subcommittees are busy at work right now and taking a lot of the air out of the room. But um, but we have we have nothing that puts us on a path of sustainability so that when we that everything is in a crisis. It feels like right now everything is a crisis and you have to, the only way to uh, to fix that crisis is to put more money towards it, but it's more money that we don't have. Right. So if we would work towards a sustainable fiscal plan and uh, you know the, the Ways and Means Committee is um, going to be looking at options and ideas and I'm really excited about what they'll be doing. I won't, I won't take uh, the wind out of uh, Representative Carpenter is uh, kind of guiding that. And so I won't take, uh, I won't take away from his agenda. But I can say that, you know, they started out by looking at the fiscal policy work group, two members by, from every caucus. And of course, that was last session, but uh, Democrat, Republican, Independent, um, you know, uh, from the majority, from the minority that came together and actually had some um, plans and some ideas that they all could agree on. Is Did everybody like everything in it? No, you know, but it was at least um, at least something where all members of the uh, legislature got together and came up with something. And so they're starting with a baseline of that fiscal policy working group. And then really proud of uh, Representative Carpenter for you know moving that committee to a nighttime committee, 6 to 8 p.m., to involve the public because right. we want to hear the voices. And that's, uh, you know, we when I think at the beginning I said, you know, one thing that, you know, we're a non-binding caucus, but we are bound to good governance if we're going to be bound to anything. So we want to 
you know, do those things that will involve the public more in the conversation. Well, yeah. And again, talking and addressing the fiscal policy working group, that was like one of the most diverse groups that had ever been thrown together. People from both extremes of the left and the right, fiscal conservative, fiscal progressive, you know, pro PFD, anti PFD. I mean, it was like this whole thing. And yet they, at the end, they came together and and had a unanimous vote to say this was the plan. And we can't just take it a piece at a time. It has to be holistic. We have to address all of them at once so that they all can be can they can all be worked together into a into a puzzle uh, that fixes the problem. And you're right. People are tired of the year to year fiscal cry. Oh, we've got so much money. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to spend it the next year. Oh, my God, we're upside down half a billion dollars. What do we do? We're racing from one side of the boat back and forth until we come up with a long-term fiscal plan in the 10-year type range. This is something I've been complaining about for years. There has been no long-term vision in the legislature. It's always till the next year or maybe just to the next election cycle, and nobody ever gets beyond that. If we don't do this, this is going to be our lives forever, this fiscal boat rocking back and forth from one side to the other. We've got to get this, uh, we've got to get this thing settled. Yep. I totally agree. And um, all last uh, last session, and uh, that was the you know the the request of uh, the caucus. And you know this session, um, I'm excited that uh, we will see some uh, some things put forward, and you know to open conversation and to uh, to have have that discussion with with Alaskans to actually. Um, see the options that were put forward. And if those options aren't acceptable, then what option is? Um, you know, we didn't have the opportunity last session to actually uh, review the policies that were put forward, but we're going to do that this session. Um, again, I don't want to move too far ahead of Representative uh, Carpenter, but I can say that I'm excited about where this committee is going to go. Um, uh, let's see, we're coming up on the break. Are you sticking with us to the top of the hour or do you have to go? Are you, are you, I can I I unfortunately have to go if that's okay. I have okay. another. I got I got three minutes then, and we'll finish up here okay. in three minutes, and we'll be good to go. Um, you mentioned a non-binding caucus again. That was part of our conversation with Representative Eastman earlier. He said, "No, no, absolutely, yeah. it's a binding caucus. Everybody's bound. Doesn't matter what they say. It's still a binding caucus." Which again, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that idea that everybody's saying it's not except one person. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, let's just set the record straight. This is a non-binding caucus. You are not going to mandate that each member must vote for the budget. If they have a problem with it, they can vote against it. And, uh, and the discussions can still continue. Yes or no. Yeah, the discussions can still continue. Um, we do know that we are here. We are the majority. It is our, it is our constitutional duty to put forward a budget. That being said, Everybody needs to be involved in the process. Everybody needs to make their voices heard. And um, yeah. I think that's pretty clear uh, that that's what it's been since the beginning. And I'm glad we're able to get some definitive borders on that and say that's what it is. What are what should people be watching? Uh, what should people be watching for right now in the next coming week or so, Kathy, as we get as we get into yeah. this? What should we be watching for? Sure. Right now, I think people will be watching and watching the subcommittee processes. And, um, and as I say, we have some great uh, team who are uh, and uh, the finance team is doing a great job. Um, and then uh, one of the big issues that's going to be coming up next week is going to be um, a, Willow, uh, a resolution on Willow pushing back against the federal government. 
um, and asking uh, for support of the record of decision on the Willow Project. That's a resource development project where, you know, the federal government wants, a, you know, oh, we want progress in, in America, but not in Alaska, apparently. So that's uh, going to be a big issue for uh, watching next week. I think uh, you'll also be um, in the on the lines of education, as I said, there should be uh, some education um, package coming from the administration that will be really worth taking a look at. Uh, our ex I, we're going to start hearing in judiciary is uh, going to be teaming up with uh, tribal affairs, and we're going to start hearing some of the um, bills regarding. Um, you know, public safety as far as trafficking and those kinds of things that didn't make it out of even a committee last session because they, well, I'm, I'm guessing because they were the governor's bills, um, you know, and we're going to be seeing some rollout um, of some ideas um, in uh, ways and means. So, um, you know, I, there's things are, things are moving along here. All right. Uh, Kathy Tilton, our guest. Uh, we got to uh, take uh, we got to take a break and come back. Kathy's got to go. So, Kathy, thank you for coming on board. I ask you to hold on for just one second here before we go to break. So we're going to come back here in just a second. Uh, but Kathy's going to go. We will return. You're on for Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. All right, Kathy Tilton is in with us for here. I just qu two quick questions. First and foremost, sure. somebody asked earlier. A couple of people have asked about were the was the legislature briefed at all about the balloon incident of things traveling across the state? Were you guys um, were you guys brought into the conversation at any point before or after? Uh, the leadership was uh, briefed only very very vaguely briefed that the. Um, that uh, General Sachs, you know, let us know that you know they were uh, some of the some of the things that were going on, but basically that uh, they didn't feel like it was a, uh, you know, uh, that they would keep us informed. I guess it wasn't that big an issue. They'd keep you in the loop, yeah. but that was it, kind of thing. Okay, yeah. that that came yeah. down. Uh, the second thing was is uh, you know again on the Eastman thing. You know, he lost a staffer. That's that's public record. There's no doubt about it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not unusual for people who are outside the caucus. Or was it something that was promised to him? His assertion was that he was promised he'd be able to keep his staff, but it didn't happen. And I just want to get some clarification on that so that we can, you know, nip it in the bud for folks here in the chat room. Uh, what was your sure. position on his staffing uh, situation and with what happened with the loss of his staffer? Sure, it's not unusual for somebody who is um, outside of a caucus to have a lower range of points um, to be able to uh, staff their office. And um, um, that is the case with uh, Representative Eastman. He has one committee and he's sitting outside of caucus. Um, the committee that he has is a, is a, is a really awesome committee and he's, he's got a smart mind and we're excited about, you know, um, the, uh, what he adds to that committee, but it is not unusual um, in any case for that to happen. In previous years, um, when Representative Eastman um, was, um, you know, left the uh, minority caucus, he was afforded the 
ability to keep his staff uh, because uh, those were um, kind of the, the wishes of the minority at that point because it was really towards the end of session. Right, right. And so mm-hmm. was he promised? Was he promised that he was going to keep his staff? Was that one of the, because that was the assertion is that he was promised he was going to keep his staff and that, that uh, you know, his word, the word was broken. Your word was broken, that that was going My on. Word was, well, well uh, I will tell you, Representative Eastman did ask me if I was going to go after his staff if he uh, made a vote. Um, and um, I said that I'm not going to go after people's staff, but that would be generalized. I wouldn't go after or attack anybody's staff. That's, that's not, uh, but... In the way that, like I said, back in the in the way that the house is organized, um, it's based on a point system, and someone sitting outside of caucus um, has the opportunity to have so many points, which affords them uh, the one staff. So, so saying that you won't go after somebody specifically is is what you said, and it was read by him as, "Oh, I'm all protected," and that was not necessarily the case, is what you're saying. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's it. I just, I kind of wanted to get that cleared up because I know people have questions about it. Uh, I'm, sure. I'm satisfied with that answer. I think that that uh, makes sense. Uh, sometimes people hear what they want to hear and that's, uh, that's Absolutely. how it goes. Uh, Kathy Tilton, thank you so much for coming on board this morning. I appreciate you uh, being part of it as always. We look forward to talking to you maybe in another couple of weeks or so, three weeks maybe to see where Sounds things great. are at and we'll, uh, we'll see where, where you come from on that. Thank you for coming on board. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. Kathy Tilton, uh, our guest here on the program this morning uh, for the Michael Luke show. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's get things, uh, let's get things rolling over here onto the other side. There we go. Uh, hopefully that answered some of your questions there in the uh, chat room. I know some of you are not going to be satisfied no matter what, but, uh, that's just, uh, that's just how it is. Um, Let's see. Uh, let me go back here. Um, uh, they are the Senate different leadership. Uh, okay. Hopefully that answered the question. I mean, it's interesting that they, that they brief the legislature on the thing as it happening, basically saying, well, we'll keep you informed, but it's not really a big deal. (laughs) Okay. Okay, and, and, and I guess I should have clarified whether that was the first or the second balloon incident. I should have clarified on that um, in that, uh, you know, uh, was it the first time when it traveled all the way across the state and then got shot down on the East Coast? Or was it the second balloon that they shot down outside of Dead Horse? Uh, but either way, it sounds like that they're barely keeping the legislature in the loop on that. Not that they, the legislature has any control over it, but um, I guess it, it is nice that they at least keep them in the... Uh, uh, to keep them in the in the loop on that. Um, all right. <clears throat> so can we do cooking tips? Someone said my chicken was pink and too spicy. I actually like chicken that's a little pink. I'll be honest with you. My wife hates it because I don't like chicken that's dry. I like it to be just slightly pink. Um, and spicy is A-OK with me. Spicy chicken, better chicken. All right. Here we go. One final segment. What are we going to talk about? No idea. We'll open up the phone lines. How about that? The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
Okay. Okay. There we go. Last segment. Uh, let's, uh... <clears throat> no, I have no idea where that voice came from. You know, it's difficult sometimes. All the voices in my head, and I'm never sure which one to quite listen to, and sometimes the weirdest ones just pop out of nowhere because, well, why not, right? Why not? Uh, I'm opening up the phone lines because I was expecting Kathy Tilton to stick with us throughout the uh, the whole hour, but she had to go, so that's, uh, that's okay. Uh, and so I'm going to open line, open format. Any topics, fair game, whatever you want to chat about, uh, we would love to hear it. If you want to take uh, umbrage with uh, something that was said today by either one of our guests or myself, or you want to talk about something completely different, Feel free to do so. The number to call, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. Again, this hour of the program being powered by your friends at Satellite West. You'll find them at SatelliteWest.com, wherever it is that uh, you want to be, uh, you know, from Hooslia to Harding Lake, from, uh, <laughs> I don't know, from Old Bay to New Bay. I'm sure there's a New Bay around there. I know there's an Old Bay. Somewhere there's a New Bay, I'm sure, in the state of Alaska. From Nome to Nan- Nanil- Nanilchik, Nome to Nanilchik, um, uh, you you can get connected with your friends at Satellite West. They'll keep you in contact. Phone calls, emails, text messages, surfing the internet, they do it all. SatelliteWest.com. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> oh, my gosh. The phones just went bananas. Bananas. Let's go on over there real quick. I'm putting everybody uh, on hold, and we're going to jump over to the phones first things first and see what you have to say. Let's start over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Carlene in Kodiak, um, from Kodiak to Klawak. Uh, from Klawak. About the I... workforce shortage, why don't we take that $5 million and steal professionals away from other states and advertise uh, for these professionals that um, get a job? People do not get the jab now, so they're not working, and they're highly professional. They're experienced, and just advertise, get a state job, then move to Alaska, and I think we could get the best people. And um, right now, people, nurses, do not have to take the NCLEX exam, and uh, attorneys do not have to take the bar exam, and medical doctors don't have to take the medical school exam. I think we could steal um, highly skilled and professional and experienced people away. We could get, because right now we have mediocre people um, that they're willing to hire with no college degree. Right. Um, it's just a thought. Well, you know, you're talking about taking the $5 million that they're giving to the Alaska Travel Industry Association or to the Seafood Marketing Institute that was $5 million each. You're right. I mean, as uh, I do, I've worked in the past with recruitment for employees, and one of the best sources of good employees is employees who are already working in the field for somebody else. So if you're looking for government workers, you're looking for a specialty or something like that, you're right. Spend $5 million of that hiring from outside the state and go out there and retain some of the best that are working somewhere else. It's not a bad idea, Carlene. It's definitely not a bad idea. And even dentists would come here because they're, they're, they're losing their, they don't even have retirement funds. You know, you could get really professional. Thanks, Michael. 
Appreciate it, Carlene. Thank you for your call this morning. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, <clears throat> it's not a bad idea. I mean, I would. I'd rather see it go there than to private industry at this point uh, as some kind of uh, surplus. And if that's one way that they could help recruit uh, or pull in new employees for what they're. Although I got to ask a question: We have a seventeen percent vacancy rate in the state right now, and the state has not imploded. The state has not. The wheels have not ground to a halt. So you've got, you know. You've got a ton of people, ton of empty vacant positions that are being funded, 3,800 vacant positions that are being funded. What if we just cut, I don't know, what if we just hired 1,000 people and cut the other 2,800 positions totally? I mean, we're still making it, right? All right, let's go over to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Mike in Fairbanks. Hello, Mike. What's on your mind, sir? I, uh, I, Mike, I'd like you to do some research and keep track of the Mary Fulp issue, the lady, the principal in Palmer that got taken to the psych ward. Right. And, and see, keep, keep an eye on that issue and see if lawsuits are filed, uh, see if any uh, criminal charges have been filed and things like that. You know, the, the issue was ripe for a lot of things. And I'd sure like uh, guys like you and girls like Suzanne Downing to dig into that and let us know when anything related to that happens. Well, I do know that there will be a lawsuit filed because that was already that was implied in the articles that were written about the thing that she'd already retained legal counsel and they were exploring their options, which is legalese for look out for the lawsuit that's coming. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to happen, but I will. I'm keeping my ears to the ground on it, and we will uh, continue to listen, Mike. And if we get any more information, we'll make sure that we pass it out. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Appreciate you calling in and uh, being part of it. That leaves one line uh, on hold right now. That leaves a whole bunch of lines open. If you'd like to call in, let's go over here see what this caller says. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, G man calling from Fairbanks. Morning, G man. What's I on? I just have a couple of quick have a couple quick comments. Yesterday, I didn't hear Art say anything about um, the that the uh, votes for ranked choice voting must be run through a voting tabulator. He didn't say that. And then I was surprised he didn't say anything about voting tabulator fraud. I was really surprised to. I'm going to have to call those guys and find out about that. Um, I think Mike Lindell is involved in about 1,800 lawsuits right now across the United States on election fraud. Mm-hmm. And it's happening right here in the state of Alaska. Uh, good news source, good information if you want to get educated on it is um, frankspeech.com. And oh. then the other comment I had was um, the school buses in Fairbanks North Pole don't carry any kids. There's no kids on the bus, not many. They could The buses that roll in could carry the kids in a van. Uh, P, the, 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 the parents or family members pick the kids up and drop them off. So if we want to you know, get a little state budget cut, let's get rid of the buses and go to the vans and don't give the parents the money to bring their kids to school. Um, that's my two comments, and thank you very much for your show. 
Well, appreciate you uh, appreciate you uh, calling in and uh, joining us this morning. Uh, thank you. I, I'll be honest with you. I am not a uh, I'm not an adherent to the idea that there is rampant voter fraud uh, in the state or in the country. I think that there is some for sure. Uh, but I would like to see uh, I me. Mean, I would definitely would like to see some uh, reform in the election system as far as election security and some of those other things. Uh, but I am not an adherent to the belief that it is rampant uh, across the country, as many folks have asserted. So, uh, but I appreciate your position on that. As far as the buses go, I mean, look, there's buses. Uh, <laughs> there, there are buses that are full, some that aren't. Uh, and yeah, maybe they should be looking at that in a little different way. Maybe they should be looking at uh, having a half and half thing. Uh, but I know that some of those, uh, I know that some of those uh buses are full especially those in the core city areas uh but there's always room for improvement i would not agree more uh that there's always room for improvement on uh finding ways to make those things more efficient i guess at least you could say in fairbanks at least they have buses at this point all right folks we're out of time for today tomorrow is firearms friday thanks for coming in be kind love one another live well the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right. Uh, let me go back over here real quick. Um, um, biggest lawsuit to be filed against Bravo school buses are built like tanks for a reason. Now we're talking about the safety of buses versus tanks. Uh, no tips on the chicken? Well, eat your own pink chicken and cook it a little more for everybody else. I guess is what I'd say. When I do it, I'm like, you're going to get it however I cook it. You're going to like it or not. That's that's all it is. Um, let's, uh, let's go over, uh, go back over here. Anything else that I've seen? Um, anything else? No, pretty much all most of the same. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on board. And I appreciate uh, you guys uh, being part of it. We'll see you tomorrow with Firearms Friday. No guess yet. Maybe we'll get one. Maybe we won't. If not, it'll just be you and me, which will be fun, fun, fun anyway. Enjoy yourselves, be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you tomorrow, my friends.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.